0: You are now listening to the Fantasy Whisperer Podcast with your hosts, Johnny Game Time Hicks and
1: Big Travi. Wow hello and welcome to the Fantasy Whispers Podcast. That's Big Travi and I'm Johnny Game Time Hicks and we're here to give you that fantasy football fix on this wonderful, wonderful Tuesday night. Travis, tonight we're talking discrepancies and we're going to have to tell each other what we're thinking when it comes to some of our rankings, because there's a few areas where we have quite the discrepancy.
0: Yeah, Johnny, I'm going to have to have you tell me more about some of these guys you're lower on, and I'm going to tell you more about some of these guys I'm lower on or higher on, and we're just going to get in between uh, these big you know, deltas that we have in between guys. So I'm excited about this episode, try to turn over some rocks and, and get some nuggets, some fantasy advice for the people that's what they love so let's get after it
1: all right but first before we do get after it i got a couple of things i'd like to mention to our viewers that's first off if this is your very first episode joining us thank you so much we appreciate all the views we are currently just shy of 1100 downloads all time which is pretty amazing so thank you to all of our viewers (laughs) We do appreciate you and we do this for you guys. So thank you so much for that. And if you're wondering how you can be a part of the downloads, just head on over to your favorite music platform, iTunes, Google play, or Stitcher, go ahead and hit that download and subscribe button, as well as the little bell on some cases. And that will be notify you anytime we do release any new content. And yeah, we're we're on YouTube as well. We do mock draft Mondays. We do some face-off Fridays. And everything like that is all to get you guys prepared for that fantasy draft that is fast approaching.
0: Yeah, like Johnny mentioned, the links just now. If you're having trouble uh, getting to those links and, and you want a quick stop, go to the fantasywhispers.com. We've got all the links posted there for Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. All right, Johnny, I'm ready. You got some news and notes for us? All right,
1: I do. News and notes from around the NFL. All right, first little bit of news is coming out of my hometown team here. The Arizona Cardinals reporter Mike Jarecki expects Ricky Seals-Jones to be the Cardinals' breakout offensive player in 2018. Travis, I'm going to talk about this just a bit because it is from my own backyard. I was really excited for the uh, you know this offseason and the preseason, and I wanted for, to particularly watch Ricky Seals because he kind of broke out there towards the end of last season. There's not a lot of pass catchers here in Arizona or any ones that you can really trust besides Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson. So Ricky Seals is a guy that's going to be usually a blanket, for either new quarterbacks like Sam Bradford coming in, or even if Josh Rosen ends up coming up, or I should say when he comes and starts, that usually the tight end is the best friend of the rookie quarterback. So definitely stay tuned to the Fantasy Whispers. I will keep you guys updated. Travis will keep you updated on things like that and sleepers as we go along throughout the offseason. Travis, do you have anything to add on that? tight end pick there
0: no i think uh you know getting i will just say that getting another option for this offense other than larry fitzgerald could be a plus for um all parties involved including david johnson if the offense keeps moving and can keep him in scoring range so it, it's all good it's good on all fronts as far as fantasy is concerned if he can be a consistent do another target
1: totally agree all right we have new jersey advanced media's matt lombardo writes jonathan stewart looked more like a plotting veteran running back trying to hang on during the offseason practices than someone who can contribute this offseason i know both you and i are both high on saquon barkley we weren't really necessarily worried about jonathan stewart but does this even boost your confidence a little bit more knowing that jonathan stewart is essentially done he's just kind of collecting a little bit more money before he heads out of the league.
0: Yeah. I mean, he could be done. He could, you know, get into shape. It is still the beginning stages of, well, not the beginning stages, but it's still uh, early in the off season. And so that being said, these beat writers do like to use hyperbole. And so some things can be, you know, blown out of proportion. Maybe he was just having a bad practice. (laughs) So it definitely could have been the situation. I am not a fan of Jonathan Stewart's fantasy value. Unless Saquon Barkley Bar- were to go down and and Stewart was still on the roster, there would be some value there. But I have all the faith in the world that Saquon Barkley is going to come in, take this job and be fantasy relevant from the gate.
1: For sure. All right. In the same kind of area, Eli, as reportedly said, Sterling Shepard is prime for a big year. Are you buying into this? I know that you are an Odell Beckham fan And, of course, we talk about this offense, and we do think it can support more than, you know, one fantasy option. Travis, are you jumping on the Sterling Shepard bandwagon this year, or do you think this is a lot of noise?
0: I don't think so. I I watched a video the other day of Terrell Owens working out with the entire wide receiving core and the tight end Evan Ingram uh, in New York. Sterling Shepard, Odell Beckham Jr., Evan Ingram, Eli Manning, Saquon Barkley, all these guys under Pat Shermer's tutelage should be a huge bump in fantasy this year. I would be looking at a lot of these guys, especially OBJ and Sterling Shepard, to make great impacts, and I think that the entire New York Giants offense gets an uptick, so I'm excited about this. I would buy into that for sure.
1: All right, and I'm going to—we got a comment here. Brett Zabo is saying Sterling was prime last year, being the only receiver he did nothing with the opportunity. And I, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say he did nothing. He he gave you several games of over hundred yards and a touchdown on a couple of those occasions. But I will also say that I I don't think he was ready to be the number one wide receiver when there wasn't a lot of options. When you put him. You know, in an off in an offense with OBJ on the opposite, who could take away some of that coverage, and then you got you know Ingram, and you have to respect the backfield. I think that Sterling Shepard is going to be a little bit more comfortable in that setting than what he was last year, and being the number one guy. I don't think he has that type of game currently in what it was his second year as a starting NFL player.
0: And you have to remember too, like. The offense, the whole team, in fact, was lost by the coach last year. So, of course, there's not a lot of opportunity when this this game, you know, this team was near the end of the pack in a lot of categories. So um, I wouldn't hold that against Sterling Shepard. I think that all all arrows are pointing up for this offense going forward.
1: All right. And then the last bit of news that I want that we're going to touch on is is pretty sensitive. But we woke up this morning and the NFL player, LaShawn McCoy, allegedly beat up his girlfriend last night. Uh, There were pictures released. It was pretty brutal. Travis, you want to touch on this?
0: Yeah, I'll just say, um, obviously, there's fantasy football implications, and we'll get into that as the offseason goes on. But right now, I just want to say that, unfortunately, the recurring theme keeps happening uh, in the NFL with domestic abuse. And I'm just, you know, I think I can speak for both of us that we're both sick of this. We're both sick of having to talk about it. But more importantly, we're both sick of having, to, you know, make excuses for guys when, you know, nobody's really caring about the victims in these situations. So obviously we want to reserve judgment till all the facts come out. But I, you know, my prayers and my thoughts are with this young lady who this, you know, horrific tragedy has happened to. And I hope that she gets justice in a way that is right and true. And, that's all I got to say pretty much about that. All right. Thank you, Travis. Are you ready now to jump into the episode? Yes, sir. Let's do this.
1: Just kidding. Not that one. <laughs> tell me more, tell me more, get- all right. We're going to start off with the quarterback position. Travis, we're going with Jimmy Garoppolo first when we're talking. And Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that. You know, a lot of players are, are fantasy in the fantasy community, or even if you're looking at mock drafts, he's going pretty high currently right now. However, I have him as my number 16th quarterback and you have him as your number 12 quarterback. You want to go first and kick off and l- tell me more on why you think Jimmy Garoppolo should deserve that number 12 ranking.
0: Yeah, I think we just need to look at Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo on the whole. So the spot starts that he had in the in the Patriots offense, he posted a 70, 71% completion percentage in 2016. Then you you pull him out, you put him in San Francisco, who they, you know, they did this trade for, and then the five starts last year, San Francisco averaged or with San Francisco, he averaged 308.4 yards per game and he completed 67% of his passes. So I think Johnny's going to touch a little bit on his touchdowns. But for me, the, the, you know everything that's here is pointing to him feasting on the high volume of underneath routes. So obviously, he's a prototypical New England quarterback because he's going to work those underneath intermediate routes. But he does it with such proficiency. And you look at a team in the 49ers last year, they had a healthy number of dropbacks, 650 dropbacks they went back to throw the ball. Obviously, this has to do with the team being not that good. But that led the league last year, Johnny. I don't expect them to be that much improved that they're not going to be throwing a bunch still. And I think the addition of Jarek McKinnon should only help Garoppolo's efficiency. I don't think he's, you know, and you look at last year, Johnny, he didn't even get to play with Pierre Garçon. So Pierre Pierre Garçon comes back. He's in the fold. I think that his style matches up really well with Garoppolo. I think all things are pointing up for Garoppolo. And he's not a guy that turns the ball over a lot. So you should be able to get what your money's worth based on just yardage.
1: Well, see, that's where I think we disagree. If you extrapolate Jimmy G's uh, stats through the whole entire season last year, he was on pace for 5,000 yards. And I'll give you that. However, you only in most leagues, it's about 25 yards and you get one fantasy point. So a lot of yards does not equate to a very good fantasy player. You look at if you were to extrapolate his touchdowns through all 16 games last year, and he would have only been on pace for 19 touchdowns. That's not going to cut it in this league. You want a quarterback who will score touchdowns because that gives you six fantasy points instantly. He doesn't really get out and scramble that much. So you're not going to be able to pick up extra yards that way. You're talking about, the division that he is in now I have, and I don't, and I know that you're pretty high on them as well, but the LA Rams, that's going to be, to me, I have them rated as the number one defense coming into the league. He's got to play them twice a year. And then you look at my Arizona Cardinals defense, which, you know, a lot of people aren't super high on them and call it a little bit of fan bias or whatever, but I'm going to tell you, like Arizona always had a, a decent to good, defense and then when you're talking about patrick peterson on the field and then you have we have a good pass rush that's going to line up for a good defense most of the time so he's also got to face us twice a year so that's four games out of 16 already where he's got to play a you know difficult defenses and then you extrapolate and look at all the other teams that he has to play and he has the eighth most difficult schedule for quarterbacks Yes, I do agree that they the bringing in Jarek McKinnon will help him. However, Shanahan is more known for running inside the red zone than he is passing. We already saw this last year, and they have Carlos Hyde last year, and they're even higher on Jarek McKinnon. So they might even give him the rock even more than Carlos Hyde last year. So there's no no wide receivers that really scare you that he could just toss it up to. Maybe their best option is the tight end. You and I have talked about it on on a couple of episodes. How we do like the tight ends in the system, but if you look at Jimmy G's value right now, he's going in the and his ADP according to Fantasy Calculator is seven point one zero seven ten. So the back end of the seventh round. That's with guys like Tyree Cohen, Emmanuel Sanders, CJ Anderson, Alan Hearns, Randall Cobb. Those are just a a couple of guys to name a few that are going right around where Jimmy G. And I know that you and I both love all those guys. So give me one of those guys. Instead of going with Jimmy G, I think you're already paying up for his quote unquote sleeper value. And I don't really see it there. He's coming off the board on average as the ninth fantasy quarterback. And that's all based on five games. I think I'll pass on Jimmy G and I'll even, I would go, you know, a different route.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just want to touch on the fact that you talked a little bit about strategy and his ADP. Of course, I am a proponent for, you know, waiting on quarterback. I think that's the smarter play here. But I think as far as uh, quarterbacks are ranked, you know, I have them ranked right around the 12 spot. I think if you're ranking all the quarterbacks, stacking them all up, Yes, I think he's at the 12th spot. Am I going to take him over a lot of those guys in a lot of my drafts? No. But the other thing you touched on was these, you know, other hard defenses in the uh, NFC West. And Mm -hmm. for me, you know, the actual holes for the Rams are in the linebacking core. Seattle's defense is a little washed up. He makes, you know, Jimmy G makes his killing in the intermediate throws where the linebackers have to match up on running backs, match up on tight ends. And I just think that he's actually more poised to attack these more elite defenses that you guys have with the corners and the fierce defensive pass rush. I think he's actually more equipped to attack those guys. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying go draft. Jimmy G as your number one quarterback. Sure. Fire. He's right on that borderline for me as a starter. So, but I, I like him at 12. I think he's one of the exciting guys and he, and the San Francisco offense is on the up and up. All right. Talking about another guy
1: who was on the uppity up. We're going with Devin Funches for the Carolina Panthers, Travis, you have him at 36. I am at 31. This is a difference of five spots. Why are you so low on Devin Funches? Explain this to me, please.
0: I think for me, like obviously Funches had a lot of success last year. He had a career year with eight touchdowns. But I think for me, I'm just find, finding myself asking, is this because Kelvin Benjamin got shipped off and Greg Olson got hurt? Like the touchdown numbers for Funches have gone from five to four to eight. The five games without Benjamin and Olson, he averaged seven point eight targets, eighty one yards, and four touchdowns. Those are great numbers. I think that that's awesome. But then the five games when Olson returned, Johnny, he averaged five targets, thirty nine yards, and two touchdowns. So I just like his large frame and above average ability in those contested situations makes his touchdown upside really high, right? But Olson is Cam's favorite target, and especially in the red zone. And then you look at Christian McCaffrey last year, Johnny. He led all running backs of, with targets inside the 10. So there are other options there than Funches. And so for me, I'm just not as high as uh, maybe you are on Funches because I think that he is not, you know, he's not necessarily that number one option for this offense. You know, and then DJ Moore comes in too. He's your guy. You love mm-hmm. DJ Moore. And I just think that's another weapon that Carolina can focus on other than Devin Funches. I think it's more of an aberration what he did last year. I think he'll regress more to the mean, closer to the five touchdowns than the eight.
1: Well, for me, the reason why I like Devin Fuchness and I have him ranked as my 31 wide receiver is that Carolina's schedule is nothing that I'm concerned about. I think that when you look at what who he's facing, you know he's not in a division where there's a lot of tough defenses. And I think that he's the number one wide receiver option On the Carolina Panthers. Now I do get what you're saying about Greg Olson coming back and being cams, you know, favorite target and run CMC. I agree with that as well. But when you're looking at Devin functions last year, he finished as the wide receiver 21. Okay. Or excuse me, 20 and yeah, he only had 22% of the team's market share last year. He only had 103 targets, and he caught 61 of them for 792 yards and eight touchdowns like you touched on. So it wasn't like last year he blew, blew anything out of the water, Yeah, he still finished as an R, a wide receiver too. He had 15 red zone targets last year, which I uh, you'll say, well, I think that'll go down with – Greg Olson coming back in and DJ Moore coming in there. And I would say most likely, yes. But when you look at his, his 10 zone, uh, 10 zone targets, excuse me, which means it went 10 yards in, in, he only had five targets. So he was getting most of his targets from beyond the red zone anywhere, anyway, and running them in. I'm not really concerned with the, the new offensive weapons and also Greg Olson coming back. And then if you look at Norv Tur- North Turner's offense, he targets the dig and the post the most when in his offense. And guess who runs that the most? Well, if you look at Matt Harmon's reception perception, which is a great tool because he really breaks down how much wide receivers run each route and, and what their success rate. And guess what? Devin Funches had a success rate of 76% and 73% on the dig and the post. So you're looking at a guy who's coming into an offense that is essentially suited and tailored for him. Now, am I saying that Devin Funches is going to be able to break into the top 12 of wide receivers? I don't think so. But where you're drafting him, which is late in the seventh round, you're going to get a guy who you'll be able to start most weeks because he's going to be a wide receiver too for you. And then in most cases where he's going, that's you're drafting your wide receiver three or four by that time. So it, he does have the upsides to give you that consistent wide
0: receiver two spot. I think for me and you know, you know, Brett, Brett has a comment here. Number uh-huh. one option is the third receiver option behind McCaffrey and Olson fourth uh-huh. red zone option. If you count cams feet and that, that just hits the nail on the head. There are other wide receivers around Funchess that I'd rather take a shot on because I think that there is no universe where Devin Funches' upside is anything greater than you know five or eight touchdowns, like I just don't see him jumping in where other guys that are drafted around him could really pop. Like what Funches' his ceiling is just so capped by the offense is what I'm trying to get at. I do so, agree that his ceiling
1: is capped. However, I would, I I would still still say that
0: productive. we I, I agree that he you know he can be productive around where he's being drafted and he's ve- relatively safe based on the target share that he should have. I just think that if if you're going to throw a dart in those rounds at around the, you know, that 30 to 35 wide receiver mark, like there are other guys that excite me more than Devin Funches. All right. A guy that I know that you're definitely more
1: excited about, and that's Alshon Jeffrey for the Philadelphia Eagles. He comes into his second year underneath that offense. You saw what he could do last year where he, where he finished as a wide receiver two, Travis, do you think he could do that again or, and are you banking on that happening again? Or do you even think that he has the upside of a wide receiver one? Like he did a a couple of years ago when he was back in the Chicago days.
0: Yeah. I'm like in the middle of that wide receiver two, could peak into the wide receiver one range. I have him ranked at 16 right now. And that's, you know, Obviously, that's a lot predicated on his rotator cuff surgery uh, recovery that he's go- coming back from. But you look at last year. I mean, he played all last year with that rotator cuff torn pretty much based on some of these articles I was reading. And he finished yeah. as wide receiver 26 doing so. He beasted and proved the Eagles right for their investment, and then they gave him the long-term... Sorry, <laughs> <a> long-term... <laughs> I, mean to, <laughs> I mean to rain on your parade there. <laughs> Uh, so they, you know, they trusted him and he, he returned the favor and they gave him the long-term contract. Mm -hmm. I think Carson Wentz's presumed health should be a boost for Jeffrey. You look at last year playing all 16 of those games. He racked up 120 targets. He had nine touchdowns. I think the offense only gets better, uh, with uh, more time under his belt. You know, this is a second year under that offense. I watch his rehab process, Johnny, but Jeffrey could be poised for another huge year and take over the spot as the number one Eagles receiving option, even ahead of Ertz, and especially in the red zone, where he had 16 total red zone looks last year, and that's, that was only one less than Ertz last year. All right, Travis, I got, I got a question for you here.
1: What is this? It's called Jeffrey, I Aaron. Mean, bit of this, bit of that. Yeah, have a look. Have a look at this. So when I have a look at Alshon, Jeffrey, I noticed that he only had 61 catches last year and that wasn't a, I mean, when you look at his total number of targets, he had over a hundred and targets. So I'm kind of scratching my head as to why he wasn't more efficient with his targets. And I looked at where he was running his routes. And most oftentimes he was running as the X wide receiver, which means that he gets the press coverage a lot more often and he's never really been good about getting off of the press coverage as well as, you know, creating separation. He's not known as a speedster type of guy. So then you look at, well, why was he so successful in Chicago? And it was because Jay Cutler who loved him and targeted him all the time would throw up the the nine route to him. We talked about the nine route in our last episode. It's essentially just the go route. Alshon, Alshon, Jeffries ran this quite a bit, but when he comes to Philadelphia, they kind of turn that around and realize that, okay, he's getting a little bit older. He might not be able to do this. And maybe that's why he gets injured a lot more often. So he started to run the nine route only about 15% of the time last year. So weight dropping way down. And then if you look at his, this, um, intermediate to, to 10 and under yards, slants, digs, curls, he ran those about 52% of the time. So, he's going he's changing his game, the Eagles are changing his game, and then you got to look at the fact that Ertz who is who often plays on the line but he runs a lot of routes and then you're looking at Nelson Aguilar who plays out of the slot. Those guys are coming off of free press coverage, so they're getting open a lot quicker. So, when Carson Wentz needs to do a quick checkdown He's going to those guys a lot more. So I just don't think that Alshon has the ability to get a lot of yards this year. And I think that the fact that he got nine touchdowns last year is a very, very high amount for a wide receiver to repeat. Am I saying that he's going to get, you know, four or five? I, I don't think so. I think that he'll get six or seven. I have my concerns about the yardage and the target share moving forward. I think that, Mike Wallace also coming in. He's going to be a lot better than Torrey Smith was last year, as well as he's going to be running more of the go route. So for me, I just do have some concerns with Alshon Jeffries. So that's why I have him ranked as my number 21 wide receiver. I do think that he will be at the end of the year, right around not wide receiver 21. So just be cautious when you're drafting him.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, the next guy, Johnny, I want you to kind of talk me through this. You've got, Jarvis Landry ranked a little bit higher than I do 24 peeking into that top 20 almost top 25 for sure Uh, Jarvis Landry of course went to the Browns so talk to me and tell me why I have Jarvis Landry at 29 and dipping into the 30s so tell me why you like Jarvis Landry so much this year
1: yeah I know when you initially look at it you're like why do you have a Cleveland Brown wide receiver so high they had they've been terrible for a long time they've never really been able to produce since Josh Gordon, a few years ago when he was in his prime, uh, a star wide receiver. However, let me ask you a question, Travis. Who would you pick between these three quarterbacks? Tyrod Taylor, Cash for Clunkers, Jay Cutler, or Ryan Tannehill? Right now, I'd probably take Tyrod Taylor. OK, sure. th- I would, too. So you look at what he's had in the past and it's been Ryan Tannehill. And, yeah, he's still finished as the number 13, the number 14 and the number seven in the last three years as a wide receiver. So you got to like his track record. And he's now upgrading at the quarterback position. Then you look at his offensive coordinator in Todd Haley, who if you look at the system that he would implement in for Cleveland, Guess who played the same position as Jarvis Landry did? A guy named Juju Smith, who we're both pretty high on. Well, Juju Smith ran about 70% of his routes as a short or intermediate routes. Well, does that sound like anybody? Yeah, Jarvis Landry. It sounds just like him. And guess what? Juju Smith finished as the number 25 wide receiver last year while only having 67 targets and 49 receptions. So, And he only had six touchdowns as well. So, I understand that the the question of targets is there. However, even if you you extremely reduce the amount of targets, I understand he's not going to get 149 like he had last year. But even if you reduce that, I definitely think Landry could beat this beat what he's done in the last few years, maybe not wide receiver seven in this offense. But I definitely think he could return you greater than wide receiver 24. You're looking at Tyrod Taylor's average depth of targets last year. Well, that was 8.9. And then if you look at the year before, well, it was 9.8. So again, this clearly benefits Jarvis Landry's game. So I think this is a case of, hey, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it is a duck. And so I understand it's the Cleveland Browns. But, you know, I'm kind of on their bandwagon this year. I think that offense is going to be really good. And Jarvis Landry should benefit from it. Please explain to me why you don't like Jarvis Landry one bit.
0: Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned a couple of things here. One, you mentioned Tyrod Taylor. Let's just, let's just talk about Tyrod Taylor for a second. Okay. Tyrod right. Taylor was on Buffalo bill teams that have ranked 31st 32nd and 31st in pass attempts over the last three years and no player in that era in Buffalo ever exceeded 60 receptions in a season during that time. Never Who was their best okay. wide receiver. Who was their best wide receiver?
1: Guaranteed. He doesn't. Ha- well, he they had Sammy had- Watkins during that time. And Sammy Watkins was a number 16 wide receiver a few years ago.
0: Right, but he didn't get over 60 receptions. My point here is that Landry is a volume-wide receiver. He's a possession-wide receiver. He has had to have lived on his targets, uh, his 9.5 targets a game that he averaged, his 10.5 yards perception over the last three years with Miami, right? So he's had to live off the volume. Because, you, you know, you care, you compare him to Juju Smith-Schuster, but I don't know if that's fair. Juju Smith-Schuster is a big blocking wide receiver that can go over the middle and take better hits than Jarvis Landry can Landry is looking to get eight yards and go down like that is they're different styles here so I don't know if that's a fair comparison I do like Todd Haley I do I do like Hugh Jackson I do like the Browns offense to be upgraded and I think that the way that they paid Jarvis Landry means they want to invest in Landry in the future I just don't think that Tyrod Taylor is the right quarterback to fit Jarvis Landry's game you talk about these you know, it looking like a duck, acting like a duck, quacking like a duck. Basically, he was throwing ducks in Buffalo when he went over the <laughs> middle and when he went short. So I don't know if that's the <laughs> greatest thing for Landry right now. He needs a guy that's going to complete these short intermediate. And I really think that, you know, we're Baker Mayfield to get the job. I think Landry fits him better because he's able to be accurate and, and slice up over the middle of the field. So for me, not this year on Jarvis Landry. I just think that he's not going to get the volume that he needs and I honestly think that Josh Gordon style, you know, way fits Tyrod Taylor style better than Jarvis Landry.
1: Okay, so we have a, a viewer's comment here saying, "Where do you rank Gordon compared to Jarvis? Where do you have him, Johnny?" I have him right around wide receiver 16.
0: Yeah, I think
1: Where, you I have, have him, him a little bit you I have think, him I think just I below
0: a me bit lower, 19 or something like that. Yeah,
1: but I we yeah. I think we both do agree that we expect Josh Gordon to be the number one wide receiver you want to own for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. I just do I, I do think that this offense this year will be able to sustain two fantasy viable options in their wide receivers, out of their wide receivers. I just think that with the the overhaul that they've done this in this I offense, just, I think and,
0: that yeah, and I think that maybe you're right. You know, maybe there's a marriage between Tyrod Taylor and Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley that makes him step out of his shell and he can produce at a rate he never has. But you just look at the you know offenses that they've been able to put around him in Buffalo and the fact that he's never had high volume pass att- pass attempts and pass yardage. Uh, I just don't know if that's tailored more towards Landry or tailored more towards Josh Gordon. So for me, like Landry's just just a little too high for me right now, uh, especially this year.
1: All right. Speaking of a guy that's never really had pass options tailored to him, we're going to switch over the running back position that we have a huge discrepancy on. And that's Ronald Jones. The second Travis, I know you're super giddy about Ronald Jones. we talked about him in one of our very first episodes we ever created. Give me your reasons on why, because I'm still not sold on Ronald Jones. And what he can do this this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you just look at it last year, who do you think pro football focus graded as the number one running back last year out of college football?
1: Saquon Barkley, no doubt. Right. But you're wrong.
0: In (laughs) fact, pro football focus graded higher than Barkley was Ronald Jones, the second. Well, they should be fired. You're you're fired. (laughs) I'll let them know that. (laughs) 830 yards is what he got after contact last year, which was ninth best in college football. I've mentioned the stat about the hundred or the 1300 plus yards he got on zone runs. And the fact that Tampa Bay runs the zone screens uh, scheme. And I think that they proved that they enjoy, like enjoy the way he runs the ball because they drafted him pretty high with the 38th overall pick. They let Doug Martin walk. So that has to indicate that Tampa Bay is a fan of how the way that, You know, he runs the football because they took a chance on this guy. You look at beat writers from Tampa Bay like Rick Stroud saying that they expect Jones to carve out 15 to 20 touches. I know that the concern is the way that he, you know, did not get a lot of work in the passing game, but he caught most of his targets. You look at last year, he got targeted 14 times. He caught 13 of them. So was it just a matter of them not using him uh, versus his ability? I got to think he's talented. They say he's a smaller back, right? but they're comparing him to Jamal Charles or Chris Johnson in a lot of circles in fantasy football this year. We mentioned the, you know, I mentioned the pro football high grade. I think the ability, you look back at Jaquiz Rogers and Peyton Barber, and you're going to say, well, they've had success because the big knock on Tampa Bay is the offensive line, right? But these guys have had success in the past, and he is a much more talented running back than they are coming out of college. So I expect him to have even more success than they did. I will continue to monitor, and you should too, running backs in Tampa Bay throughout the offseason, but I fully expect Jones to win this job and retain it. He had excellent vision, big playability. And as of today, I'm expecting him to win that job this year.
1: Yeah. I just can't get to it because you still have, you still have Barber there and, and he looked pretty good at the end of last year when he got the opportunity. They still have Charles Sims who they, they brought back. You're talking about, they let Doug Martin go, but they, whoa
0: you I so over I there, Mister Grizzly Over there, you were mentioning oh. guys, and I was just falling asleep. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, neither yeah, of these yeah, we, guys are exciting as Ronald
1: Jones, dude. Okay, I understand that, but you're looking okay. So Ronald Jones was not given the scheme or the keys to the pass catching when he was in at USC. Charles Sims has been already confirmed by the coaches that he will take that third down back role. So now you're looking at a guy who's simply just getting the first and the second down carries, maybe, not even for sure, maybe. So you you still don't know what he could do in the passing game. I would like to see that in the preseason, see if they use him in that way. If they do start using him that way, I would be I would feel a lot more confident in him, but He's also facing the fifth most difficult schedule for running backs. And you talked about that offensive line. You're a lot more sold on it being okay for fancy options than I am. I am definitely concerned about that line. I'm concerned that he, when you look at his tape from last year, the holes that he was running through in that zone scheme were massive. They were they were bigger than the grand Canyon. He's not going to get that this year. And so I think that he's going to struggle coming into this season. Now, if, if you tell me, or if we watch it on tape, come the preseason that hundred percent, he will get 15 to 20 touches like they've been, you know, beat writers have alluded to. I would be a lot more confident in Ronald Jones. I would raise him up my rankings, but I still don't, I still do have the concern with you know his weight he's not the biggest back so I don't know if they I don't think they want to use him as a three down back or a workhorse back so that's also a concern of mine
0: yeah and you got to watch how his weight could affect the pass blocking and so mm-hmm. if he has a problem pass blocking he he definitely won't see the field but for me yeah. I just think that he continues to get comparisons to Jamal Charles and Chris Johnson who were both smaller backs and both did what they did you know a lot of the time behind terrible lines uh, in their situation. So for me, I think that his talent will rise above here. And I just think that if he's able to catch consistently, he is going to be a rejuvenation for this Tampa Bay team. And we have seen, you know, elite talents rise above situations before. And I think a guy that is getting, you know, a higher grade by these, you know, scouts than Saquon Barkley is, is not a guy we should, you know, take lightly. We shouldn't take him for granted. And so for me, I expect him to win the job. If he doesn't, I'll have to eat, you know, my words on this one. But I just think that he he is heading in the right direction from everything I've read. All right. Talking about
1: going into a season where we have somewhat low expectations, our Last guy we're gonna to debate tonight is gonna to be the running back Marshawn Lynch. Travis, why are you so low on Marshawn Lynch? Right now we have you have Marshawn Lynch as the rank as ranked, excuse me, the 29th wide uh, running back, and I have him as the 23rd running back. Please explain to me why you have him so low and why you're so confident in guys ahead of him as opposed to a guy that's tried and true like Marshawn Lynch.
0: Yeah, I think for me, it's obviously still early and we're getting into camps and we're getting into some of these battles. Right. Mm -hmm. But for me, if I'm looking at it at face value, John Gruden did not sign Marshawn Lynch. He was already signed. Right. He did sign Doug Martin. And I think we both were watching the Monday night football game where Tampa Bay was playing and Doug Martin had a decent, you know, decent output and gosh, we couldn't get John Gruden to shut up about Doug Martin. <laughs> then he gets Doug, the job Doug. in Oakland after making Doug Martin, his Gruden grinder for life. He <laughs> flip in, gets the job in Oakland and signs him. I mean, talk about a man crush. It's worse than you and Carson Wentz, man. So, I I don't think that Martin is the only one to worry about in Oakland either because they still have Jalen Rashard. They still have Washington. And those guys have been affected too as complimentary pieces. So I think with the league trending in the way it is, I don't know if Lynch is going to ever get back to that bell cow status that he had in Seattle. I am a fan of Lynch to win this job, but not in that bell cow role. And I just think there are other guys with higher upside around where he's going, like the guy we just mentioned with Ronald Jones like Sony Michelle, who's another rookie that's exciting down there. You know, there's even Darius Geis, who I think may have a better shot to win uh the job outright from Chris Thompson, who, you know, he could make Chris Thompson kind of go away. So I think that there's 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 other I options that, there. I don't think that's possible, but that's for another show. That's a debate for another show. <laughs> All right. But I just think that there's other options there when we're talking about Lynch and you know, I'm not sold that Gruden wants Lynch to be the guy. Maybe Doug Martin was a motivational piece, and maybe the, he'll fall back, and we'll be able to, I'll be able to move Marshawn Lynch. But for right now, I am not as high as Mar, as you may be on Marshawn Lynch. I will just close off the show here with
1: saying my piece about, you know, Marshawn Lynch, and that that would be the fact that when you look at J, uh, John Gruden coming in, he. We know what he wants to do. He's he's been reported loud and clear saying that he wants to get back to the 90s style of football. He wants to grind the ball. He wants to run it. And who do we know is a better grind? Marshawn Lynch. He's got the eighth easiest running back schedule when you when you look at the Raiders offense this year. And when you look at Marshawn Lynch last year, I know that we have a comment here. And Hannon, let me let me pull this up here. I saw it a little bit earlier. You know, Marshawn Lynch by Chris Hannon, he didn't do anything last year. And I would actually disagree with that. I think that when you look at Marshawn Lynch last year, he had five of his last seven games where he was an RB2 or better. So he only had 188 carries for 790 yards last season. And I could easily see him getting a lot more carries this year with him being a little bit older. And and I I know you talk about your Monday night football game with John Gruden, but I specifically remember another Monday night football game with the Raiders where he came out and he was like, if Marshawn Lynch doesn't touch the ball 30 times, this is just outrageous. Like I I would give up on football. And of course, Marshawn Lynch didn't receive 30 touches that game. But John Gruden didn't give up on football either. And he took over the team who he was so furious with. So, you know, I do see them going through Marshawn Lynch. And then I, I I will touch on this for a second and that's Doug Martin. Yeah. You, you talked about him and I do think that he still does have some, some gas left in the tank, but when you're looking at both of them as a whole, that is a backfield that is relatively cheap to own. So if you want to, you know, scoop up both of those guys, I have no problem with that. And then you're kind of looking, I think no matter what running back can win that job there, I think that they will be a running back too. I think that system will, will support it. I think that, uh, J, uh, John Gruden wants a running back who can give him, you know, essentially that workhorse role, whether that is Marshawn or whether that is Doug Martin. I think that one of those guys, I just think that, You know, like you do, I think it's Marshawn Lynch out of the two.
0: Yeah, I I think that it'll eventually be Marshawn Lynch. I'm just a little lower on him until we get more clarity with what's going on with the Doug Martin thing. So as that, you know, pans out, like I said earlier, I think we'll have more visibility on who to trust. And who knows, man, like I could really see this being a split to begin the year and then Lynch takes over because Doug Martin does more of what he did Uh, last year which was being effective so just keep an eye on it and like you said johnny made a huge you know a great point about owning both members of the backfield you know but doing so can also get you in a situation where it was like derrick henry and and uh derrick henry and demarco murray last year so just be careful about how much you invest you know how much you're counting on this backfield to take to take care of you as starting as a starting running back
1: for sure. All right. That ends today's show. Please catch our Friday episode on Friday the thirteenth as we do another face-off Friday with a little spooky twist. And then, then if if you want to join us even more, catch us next Tuesday night live for the next episode. Travis and I will be releasing what that topic's going to be a little bit later. And then as well as also download our latest podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Just search the Fantasy Whispers. Or if you like to watch our videos, go ahead and head over to the YouTube. We got a couple of Mock Draft Mondays over there and our, our past Face Off Fridays. Travis, got anything to add? No, that's it. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, I'm Johnny Game Time Hicks, and that's Big Travi, and we're out. Peace. Peace. <laughs> thank you for listening to the fantasy whispers podcast you can hear more from john and travis on google play soundcloud and itunes you can also follow us on instagram facebook and twitter at